Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, uh, this episode of Enough About Me or whatever is with Jerry Remy. I, I guess it's still Enough About Me. I did a few last week. I'm going to do a few more this week, by the way. I'm going to be staying plenty busy with the podcast stuff. We will have a, uh, a show announcement, though, a Kirk Minahan show announcement uh, later on in the week. So tune into that. Um, and as I said last time, you know, maybe a few podcasts ago, um, there's just we're in the middle of this sort of budgetary battle between the digital side and the radio side. There's no... They're not, they're not, you know, I, I see on Twitter and hear on podcasts and people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about, that they're, that they're paying me not to work. You know, they're going to bench me till 2022. I could tell you, Entercom would not, they would have bought me out. They're not going to pay me, you know, millions of dollars not to work over the next five years. That's stupid. Uh, and the podcast, by the way, thank you so much. And subscribe. Can you subscribe, please? If you have, don't yet to enough about me uh, and give it a nice review as well. That always helps. Uh, the podcast last week was Ziegler, which I enjoyed and with Stackpole. Um, kicking the shit out of him did fantastic constantly in the top 40 or 50 on iTunes all week long which is again remarkable for what is still essentially a local uh, podcast that I think will be bigger and bigger as the year goes on you see the ones that they're next to it's ESPN stuff it's national stuff it's these crazy wrestling ones that do massive numbers so that means uh, a lot to me first of all it shows his loyalty still there and the people are enjoying the content they're getting you get lots more of it the next few weeks and it starts here with Jerry Remy and uh, I'm doing this open after I talked to Jerry just a few minutes ago. It was a good conversation. Um, Jerry reached out to me in September after I took my leave and, and talked about his battles with depression and said if he needs, if I ever need to talk about it, call him. Uh, he knows what it's like. And that meant a lot because, listen, we battled over the years. I was critical of the Jared Remy stuff. He didn't really, still doesn't really want to talk about that. I asked him about it today in this podcast. He doesn't want to dig too deep into it, but we talked about it. Um, and just some other stuff, you know, his own battles with depression, his own battles with cancer. Uh, it's been a life uh, filled with tragedy in his family, with his physical health. Uh, it's been a tough life. And if you're somebody who battles depression, you have to deal with this stuff. You know, I, I don't know how he does it. You know, I, I actually don't know how he does it. Um, you know, I've had issues. My parents, they were older. They died. You know, this is him. This is his son who murdered his, you know, his, his essentially his daughter-in-law with a little granddaughter. Uh, he's had cancer. He's had real issues in his life. Um, but he goes on, he perseveres and, and continues to work. He'll be doing some nesting stuff this year, and he says his health is good. Uh, it's a conversation with Jerry Remy that you've never heard before. I'll say that. There's not a lot of baseball talk. We start a little soft, and then we get into the real stuff. Um, it's a totally new look at a guy who you've known forever, uh, and I really enjoyed it. It's Jerry Remy here on uh, Enough About Me. All right, so uh, Jerry Remy joins me here on the uh, on the podcast. I think it's the first time we've talked in like five or six years, I think. Is that right? Uh, I would say that's pretty close to uh, probably it, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that explains why you and I have struggled so much in those five I think we missed each other. I think that this is, I think we're all set now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody's doing better. There's no question yes. about that. First of all, I want to ask, before we get to all the other stuff, how are you feeling? You're down in, uh, in Florida. How are you feeling physically right now? I'm doing really good. You know, I had the, um, the relapse last year, and then I went through radiation, uh, 
I was finished with that by the end of um, of uh, uh, the season last year. Uh, and then I entered a trial program at, uh, at Mass General this mm-hmm. past uh, off-season, which took me through January and February. It was a treatment every Thursday. And I, st- I continue in the, in the uh, treatment program, but it's now every three weeks instead of every week. So it continues to dwindle down where I, I have this vaccine that they developed for me that attacks uh, this type of cancer that I have. And um, that, along with immunotherapy treatment, uh, is what they're doing right now. So, so far, it's been it's working out very, very well. And uh, it keeps me optimistic and positive that uh, things are going to, you know, end up okay for me. So, uh, you know, I feel real good down here. It's good to be in the, in the good weather and, and get out in New England for a little while in that bad weather and get down here, do some walking, get back in, in some pretty, good, pretty decent shape and, and be around baseball again. How many games, you know, per- perfect scenario, you feel good this year, everything goes right. How many games are you calling this year on Nesson? Uh, between uh, 80 and 90 games. Uh, that'll be including some spring training games. I'm doing eight of the last nine down here. Uh, and then my, I have a, a fairly heavy schedule at home. Uh, of course, we're doing about 33-man booths with uh, Eck mm-hmm. and Dave. And um, and then I have some road games, too. But a lot of the road games are, are pretty easy travel for me. There's no road trips longer than seven days for me. And a lot of them are on the East Coast. Most most are on the East Coast. So things worked out very, very well. They, they, uh, they took very good care of me this year, and uh, I'm very happy with the schedule. Were you at the point – how old are you now? Uh, 66. Are you at the point now where, let's just say you have had, had no cancer in your life and everything was great and you were feeling pretty good – do you think you're at the point of your life, and it's hard to, to suppose this, where you may be doing fewer games anyway? Were you, were you at the point where you're feeling, you know, I, I don't want to do 150 games or 162 games. I don't feel like flying out to Anaheim and Seattle or, 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 or no? Yeah, I, I was very stubborn for a while where I wanted to, to do all the games. And, and I found out once uh, the first year came that, uh, you know, I, I didn't do all the games. I, I thought that it was a big help for me. I really did. I didn't realize it. You know, being 66, I mean, traveling around the country with uh, the late hours that we get in, yeah, it's pretty lousy sometimes. You know, you get in at 4 o'clock in the morning, you get a game that night. And it's uh, It kind of wears on you for a while. And then the coast-to-coast stuff really wears on you. So it's 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 time for me to, to, to cut it back a little bit. And I've noticed that, you know, when you do get some time off, um, you know, you come back refreshed and you come back, uh, you know, rearing to go, whereas – when you're doing all the games, the 161, it's a very difficult, a 162, I should say, it's a very, very difficult schedule uh, to maintain, especially the older you get. So I've kind of, you know, they kind of had to force me into doing a few, uh, few less games uh, a couple of years back. But as, as it's turned out, it's really been good for me. I think it's, uh, it's, it's been good for, yeah, you know, to get a little rest once in a while. You, you get a different perspective on the team. You get a different perspective on how you do games and, you come back kind of refreshed and, and ready to roll. So it, it's a good time for me. Uh, you know, they've been very good with me, working with me with the schedule and and uh, putting a schedule together for me that's very conducive to what I've been going through. So, uh, you know, I couldn't be more happy with that. Has there been a point physically for you, and we'll get to the mental stuff because we're both battling, and that's kind of where I, I wanted to go in a few minutes. Was there is there been a point in the last few years where physically you've said, you know what, I think I'd rather, I'd be better off not being alive here. Did you get to that? Well, I mean- I, you know, you know, it's interesting. You know, I was very concerned when I had to leave Toronto last year with the relapse of the cancer because 
you know, I had just gone through uh, surgery. I'd gone through mm-hmm. radiation. I'd gone through chemotherapy. And then that quickly it had returned. So, you know, when I left Toronto last year, I, I knew for a week prior to going to Toronto that I had cancer again. But I continued to do the games hoping that I could finish out the season. But I got to Toronto and I said, what am I doing here? I said, you know, cancer doesn't wait for the baseball season to end. Right. And, and so I better get back to Boston and I better get back to my doctors and, and get working on this stuff. So uh, that's exactly what I did. Um, I thought at that point, possibly I could have done my last game because I was concerned that the cancer would come back so quickly. But once again, the people at Mass General did a, a you know fabulous job with me. They, they, they found a, a treatment program for me that worked and we had some major decisions to make you know one was removing the right lung which uh, was not a good option because it was so high risk uh so we we chose radiation again and now we go we're in this trial program so they continue to come up with new stuff that's that's helped me go along and you know i don't feel any worse for the wear i mean i still feel good it's just that you know you're always kind of concerned that this might pop back on you so uh, yeah, I did think at a point last year when I left Toronto, I said that may this may be it for me. You know, it just may be the end of the road where uh, you know I'm going to be sick all the time and I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, but then I bounce back and you know I, I'm anxious to get back at it. So because I'm not tired of it, I, I still love what I do. Do you feel angry at yourself for years of smoking, or do you consider it an addiction or no, of both? Course I do. Or of both? Because I, Cause, do, cause I think because right. I because I I mean listen, I saw it with my mom, and she wound up having pancreatic cancer, and the doctor thought you know doctors thought that was a reason why, but it's a it's an addiction like alcohol or drugs or anything else. I mean, I know you've battled trying to quit over the years. I mean, is it is it just? I mean, how long have you not been smoking for? Uh, for now, I guess probably a couple of years. Yeah. close to that. And uh, it's something that never leaves you. You know, you battle it every day. Oh, so still and, now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, still now. Still yeah. now you battle it. And you've got to find other things to, you know, keep you occupied. So there are different routines I have. There are certain times of the day that are probably worse than others. Um, it's much easier being down here back to work because you don't have, you know, at least you're active. You're doing some stuff. You know, it's, it's very difficult during the offseason when you're sitting around doing nothing. And, um, but it's something I battled since I was 16 years old. I mean, I, I started as a kid and I never really stopped and, and, um, you know, tried to put them away a few times, but I've always said that, you know, the toughest thing to do is the easiest thing to do is pick up your first one, but the toughest thing to do is put down your last one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I found that to be very true and I still find it to be true. You know, people quit for years and years and they still want to have a cigarette. So, you or know, just start, you know, or Jerry, like, like I just mentioned my mom, so she quit. In like you know late seventies, I want to say, and then in the late nineties, out of nowhere, she just started again. You know, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's 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 it's, it's, it's knowing crazy that it's yeah, knowing that it's it, that knowing that's a terrible thing to do, but it's like it's like anything else, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, you know it's wrong. You know it's the wrong thing to do, but you're so addicted to it that you know it just keeps drawing at you, it keeps pulling at you, and you got to really be be strong and fight. And I was never strong enough. I never really gave it a, a major attempt when I was younger. You know, you're younger, you don't think anything's going to happen to you. But obviously, since, uh, you know, I came down with the with the uh, the cancer the first time, I mean, the, the full full court press was on to quit. And, uh, you know, I battled some with it. I, 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 I you know, I cheated on a, on a few occasions and uh, got back to smoking a little bit and quit again. And but uh, I'm happy to say that, you know, at this particular time, not smoking and uh, and and don't feel it's the right thing for me to do. <laughs> good, good. So you sent me a, a we, we texted back and forth a few times over the last couple of years. I think you reached out to me once a few years ago, then I reached out to you 
uh, when that stupid, what was that fucking stupid thing a couple of years ago where you kind of were on the internet, something about the pitching change or the translator or something. Remember that dumb thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, it was stupid. It was, you shouldn't have got, it was dumb. People were acting like they were all pissed on Twitter. It was dumb. You, you did nothing wrong. So we started texting a little bit, and then you texted me in this past September, and I really did appreciate it. You reached out, and you said, you know, I've been in a battle, meaning me, with depression, that you've you fought it yourself, you know, reach out, you can be of some help. And that really meant a lot to me. We've texted a little bit since then. And I've just thought about, you know, I, I think about other people who go through this, especially men, because I think, you know, male depression still is sort of a stigma where it's people think it's, you know, not masculine. And I'm just curious about sort of your journey and, and your battles with it and sort of where it began. Well, I've had to fight it twice. And, and the first time that I, I had to fight it was uh, I had started to get panic attacks and, and um, those kind of drove me into depression because they were debilitating and they were consuming my day. And um, it got to a point where, you know, I was just so tired of them. I started to get depressed. And then once I got depressed, I was totally useless. I, I couldn't do anything. You know, of all the things I've been through, you know, with the cancer and, and, and everything I've been through, depression has been is the worst because you feel like there's no end to it. There's no help for you. It's not like you take a magic pill and the next morning you wake up and you feel good. You, you, as you well know, I mean, it's just trial and error with the different medications that you have to try. And you finally find one that works for you. And that takes six weeks to kick in. And, and, and so it's a, it's a very debilitating disease. And, you know, I, I've said uh, that, you know, if I have a public forum, in, in which, which I, which I kind of do, and I can help people um, who are suffering from that disease, uh, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, and, and the same thing with cancer. If, if I can help anybody at all, if I can, if I can get one person to go to their doctor and, and get an early checkup, you know, I, then I, I feel like I've been successful. And that's kind of way I've tried to go about it. I, 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 I don't like talking about it a lot, but I feel like because I have a, a, a public forum, you know, with television mm -hmm. and, and uh, that I've been around a long time that, you know, people will listen. And I have got many, any, many uh, letters from people who have thanked me for coming out about being depressed about the cancer uh, just used to tell me that, you know, it did get him to the doctor or now I understand more about depression uh, than I did before, how difficult it is. And, you know, I, and then I had a relapse. Uh, I had a relapse with it um, when I got my first time I got operated on for cancer. I got an infection after the operation and that that drove me into a depression because I couldn't work. And that was very, very difficult. And that one took me a long time. I couldn't leave the house. I mean, I, I literally could not leave the house. And I remember my bosses at Nesson coming over to pay me a visit and see how I was doing. And they kind of invited me back into the ballpark to see if that would help. And I said, no, I, said, I, can't, I can't even leave the house. I, can't, I, I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to drive. I don't want to do anything. And um, finally, I did get into the ballpark. And that, that particular night, they showed me on the scoreboard, I got a a nice ovation from the crowd and they kind of picked me up a little bit mm -hmm. and not, not fuss pretty soon after that, I got back into working again, but it's awful. It, it, it's one of the most difficult things that you can go through. You know, it now, you know, you've been through it yourself and it's, 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 you're out there on an Island by yourself. There's really, you know, there are people who can help you, but, you just, you don't, sometimes you don't even feel like, yeah, you don't under, yeah, no, that's, you feel completely alone. You don't, and you're afraid to ask for help for some reason. You just, you can't, it becomes much bigger than what it actually is. And in, in your mind, you make things bigger than they are. 
Oh, absolutely, without question. And and you know, you, I mean, I used to. I didn't want to go to bed at night because I didn't want to wake up the next morning. I, you know, I didn't want another day like I had today. And I remember one time I was uh, in my home and I got up in the morning and I, I felt terrible again. And I looked out the window and it's the first time I actually considered not killing myself, but actually saying to myself, you know, this is not worth it. I can't live like this. I can't live like this anymore. So what? So I'm what? Just, so what did you do? Well, I continued to go to my doctor, and right. you know they 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 continued to to tinker with the medication, and to this day, uh, I'll be on medication the rest of my life. You, you go? Know, do, you I, a, like, do you see a do you see a therapist weekly or? Uh, I, I now I just see him once a year. Okay, and I you know depression wise, I've been fine for uh, a while now. Right, I, I see him once a year, but I, I'll be on medication the rest of my life, which I accept. That was another difficult thing about it. No question, you, you Jerry. Felt that you had to go on. Exactly. I'm the same. I'm the same way. I feel, given what I do for a job, also you feel like you're sort of. I was concerned that I would have this sort of shield, and I would feel sort of out of it. And I've been taking medication now since August, and I feel like no difference in that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself for not taking it the last ten or fifteen years. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly right. You fight it at first because you don't feel like you need something to make you right. And, and uh, you know, they're putting this substance in your body to, to try to get your head squared on straight. And, and, you know, it takes a while to accept that. But once you start getting results, the problem is, as I said, it's not an overnight pill. It doesn't work in, in a week. It doesn't work in two weeks. It takes time. And you've got to be willing and able to be able to fight through that time till, till they find the right, uh, the right one for you. And when they do find the right one for you, it's amazing. It's like a a light goes on and, you know, you feel like yourself again. And uh, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world. So we can go out and you can function on a normal basis because when, when you have it, you can't function. And and there's so many people that have it that that are afraid to speak about it and Mm -hmm. even admit that they have it. And they're afraid to go to a doctor. They're afraid to, you know, put medicine in, in, in themselves and, and, and they're embarrassed by it. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's absolutely nothing at all to be embarrassed about because it's so common. So many people fight it and so many people try to, you know, push it under the rug. And bad things happen when you do that. Do you, uh, so I, you know, I, it's inherited to some extent. People, a lot of people think, a lot of doctors think, and my mom's side is riddled with it. Did your folks have it? Did your mom? Did your dad? No, 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 no. I did. You know, I always wondered when I was younger and, I, I was um, in my playing days, and shortly after my playing days, I, I would go into these <clears throat> funks, funks for like yeah. four straight days. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. And I would wake up angry in the morning and I, for no reason at all, absolutely no reason. There was nothing that should have caused me to be angry. And I would be like that for like four days, and I couldn't understand it. And then it would go away, and I'd be myself. And I always think back to those days how that may have been the sign of my depression, but I didn't know it. And, um, you know, I always tell the doctors that, you know, when I speak to them, I said, you know, I remember when I was a younger person and this used to happen to me and and I I never paid much attention to it except to think that I was in a bad mood. And they kind of agree with me that, yeah, that could have been a sign right there that, you know, you you could possibly end up with depression. And and, uh, I I, I go back to that and think about that. And, and, you know, I was young then. I would, you know, so... You feel invincible. You don't feel like you have to get help. Uh, you, you just think it's a normal way of living, but it's not. And um, and then you kind of find these things out the older you get. And when you go through it again, you know, what were some of the trigger signs when you were younger? And, and there were some there. 
Well, you read, you know, this just happened to this female cyclist who's, who's, who's one of the top in the world. She committed suicide earlier this week. And, you know, four or five years ago, if I, if I read that story, I'd be, you know, almost angry at her. And now I read it and, and I think, you know, I totally understand how that can happen. You let stuff build up, build up, build up. You're afraid to tell people more stuff builds up. And then that's when you get to the point where you're not rational anymore. No, I, I would agree, you know, and, um, you know, the, the, the crushing effect is when you're sitting at home and you have no desire to put on a television, yeah, the move. no desire to read a book, right. you have no desire to go out of the house, you have no desire to drive in a car, you have no desire to do anything. And when you reach that point, I mean, you're at a bad place. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's so frustrating and, and so scary. And, and it gets to a point where, you know, it just, it builds, it builds, it builds. You just don't want to do anything at all. And, um, you know, that's when you need help. And, 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 and that's why, that's why I've been able to talk about it and write about it and, 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 and you know, try to get people who are feeling even the beginnings of depression, you know, to get in there immediately as soon as you possibly can. And don't be embarrassed by it. It happens to so many people. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but, you know, since I've been involved in it and, and with my own treatment, I've met so many people who, who you know, mm-hmm. complain about depression or have been depressed or have been, been, you know, been through all these stages that I have been through and, and now find themselves living a normal life. It's possible you can live a normal life again. It's just that you've got to take the right, the right measures to do that. How do you, you know, so when there's great personal tragedy, whether you're sick in your life, you know, for me, it was my folks dying. How do you handle the depression angle when something happens? I just, I, I've just been able to stay on my medication. No, but I'm you sorry. Know, no, but, you know, but I meant, I'm sorry. Like when, when something happens like it did with Jared a few years ago, how do you, how do you not slip back into it there? Well, you, 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 tr- you try not to. I mean, you know, you, you, there's, there's, there's obviously downers, uh, that 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 come your way, but uh, I I really honestly believe 100 percent in the medication. You know, I mean, I I talk to people, I, I talk to my doctor. Uh, if I feel like I'm sliding a little bit, you know, they they may tweak a, a medication here and there. They they may add something like an Abilify, you know, to to help boost uh, what you were already taking. So um, you know, there have been many times where, you know, I've had to make adjustments into what I'm doing, but, you know, I've been very, very stable, fortunately now for a long time. And, um, I, I give that credit to the doctors at Mass General and, and the medication they put me up on. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been a battle through a lot of stuff, through, through cancer, through a lot of things that have gone on in my life, but I've been able to make it through because of the great help that I've had. Do you still talk to your son? Yes, I do. And is yeah. he, he's, is, I mean, do you have a, is, I mean, I don't even know how to. Are, I, I, this is one I really don't want to get into. Okay. I, I, okay. I kind of stayed away from it. And I, okay. I, I, I want to, you know, I want to stay away from it. But the fact is, yes, I do. Okay. I get, yeah, that's fine. And, and you know, you and I have talked about it over the years. I, I just think, I'm just thinking of it more from the, the conversation we're having. Because if I, if this happened in my life and I see a therapist all the time, it would be a huge part of my conversations is trying to figure out what went wrong. Did I do this right? Did I do that wrong? That's all from that, yeah. from that perspective, you know? Yeah, been down that road without question. So over the, uh, so I saw you tweet out, and I didn't realize this, and I knew Nick Afard a little bit, not a lot. You were working on a book with Nick for a year and a half. Yes, that's correct. And then, yes. he, and obviously, yes. you know, he passes away. Uh, right. 
what 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 is the and, and we could talk about Nick in a second. I'm curious. So what I'm just almost from a from a publishing perspective, what happens with a book like that when you when you work with somebody for a year and a half and this tragedy strikes, which it was obviously. Well, it's awful. Obviously, what happened with Nick? You know, the day before he passed away, we were on the phone about a half hour talking about the book, and uh, he was in great spirits. He was he felt very good. And, um, you know, next day, next day you, you get a phone call from the Red Sox saying he passed away. It was, it was, it was just total shock on my part, you know, and, um, fortunately I was able to get, I was in Boston. So I got to go to his wake and see the family, meet the family. And, uh, it was very sad. It was very sad because we had developed a very close relationship. You know, I've known Nick for many, many years. Forever, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really got to know him over the last year and a half as we were doing this, working on this book and the book's complete. Okay. It just needs tweaking. So, um, you know, we've got to, we've got to do that. And it, it, we're hoping it comes out sometime in June or July. And it's, um, it's called if these walls could talk and it's basically my life story and in, in my words, uh, of, you know, from when I was a kid, um, you know, right up to signing a professional contract to, to playing in the minor leagues, to playing in the big leagues, to my broadcasting career, to my partners, to, uh, you know, and so all the tragedies, depression, uh, my son, obviously, and, um, the cancer that I've, that I've been battling through for a number of years now. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty complete story of my whole life. And, uh, it's so sad to see Nick, you know, not be here to to finish on this and, and see his work go out there. But that's one of the reasons I wanted to continue with the book to kind of pay, play a little tri- tribute to him too. So, um, so we'll get it done. We'll get it. We'll get it worked out and we'll get it finished and and uh, it'll get out there sometime. Hopefully this summer. I don't know if you I don't know if you remember this or not. I was I was right taking some notes down for our conversation today. So I started with John and Jerry and like you were on weekly with them. And I started with them in 2013. And one of the first times I was on, you and I had a conversation about something I had written. Do you remember this or no? I certainly do, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So I, <laughs> so I, so I wrote something, and you and I battled about it, which I always, you know, I always liked that. I, I obviously no problem with it. And then the next day at the office, you actually called the office. You remember that? Yep. And you apologized to me, but I didn't think you had anything to apologize for. What, what, do you, do, what was the backstory on that? Well, the whole the whole thing that got me is I, I I didn't know you and you really didn't know me not at all, and and you were uh, I think writing at that time yeah for EEI. correct and uh, you wrote one piece in there that said that uh, I kind of mail I've been mailing in it, my job in right and what bothered me about that I mean you, you can say whatever you want about my analyzing you can like it you can not like it you would, it doesn't really matter to me you know what people think you're going to have different opinions from different people yeah yeah you know, but that's okay but when somebody says you know you, you mail your job in that bothers me because sure really my whole life has been you know put my nose to the grindstone and work as hard as i possibly can that's why i got to the big leagues that's why i got the broadcasting job and that's why i've been able to stay in it now for 32 years mm-hmm. so that that kind of that kind of ate away at me. Oh, I, 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 I didn't know you and right. you didn't know me. And- oh, I had no problem. And, and I had like, you, we call, I don't even really, I remember the segment. It was one of the 3 million fights I wanted to having on the air, but I had no, my point is I like, you're, that's perfectly legitimate. Like I had no problem with that. You defended yourself was great. I just don't know why you felt compelled to call the next day. You didn't need to do that. You shouldn't, well, have, been, you shouldn't have been sorry feel, for anything. I didn't, I didn't feel right about it. You oh know, no, you were I, fine. I, I, I had no idea that um, you know you were just freshly starting over there with uh, with John and, and Jerry, who I'd been on with for years, and um, 
you had, you know, and, and then I come on the first day and I say stuff like that, which I, you know, would probably never say today. And, and I felt bad about it. So I, I, I reached out to try to apologize for that. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time you guys had been getting off to a rocky start. I had no idea because <laughs> I don't listen. Right. So, um, so that's why I did it. And, um, you know, this, it goes on from there. Now I, you know, from that point on, I couldn't tell you what you said about me. I, I, I don't know. And, and, and quite frankly, I, 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 I don't mean this to be a wise guy. I don't really care because, sure. you know, it's not part of my life. It's, it's not something, there are much more things important in my life right now with all that I've been through than, having somebody criticize my analysis on a game. I, I, you know, I, I, I want to please everybody, but I've also come to the point in life where you realize you can't please everybody. And, uh, but all I, my, my whole point is whatever I've done my whole life, I've gotten through hard work. And, and I think if you ask anybody that works with me, uh, it's, and, and it's in, in particular this job that I have now, they will tell you that I'm one of the most prepared and hard workers that they've ever seen in their life. So that's why that kind of bugged me a little bit because, you know, you know, had you been around, had you been a guy that w- that worked with us and, you know, you, you said something like that, well, then you have every right to say that because you see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. But when, when you don't know me and you, you don't know what my daily routine is and you say something like that, that's what kind of got under my skin a little bit. Totally so, fair. Totally. I, yeah. So, no, right. So, but, but it was, but the timing, the timing was wrong, and and I admit that now. Uh, well, I, well, I I don't think so. You were fine to do it. How how surprised or not surprised were you a couple of years later in retrospect? The size, because we were on the air every day doing it. I mean, it was the biggest story in the city. The size of the blowback for Orsillo leaving. How surprised or not surprised were you? Well, I'm not surprised. You know, anybody that's been here fifteen years and who's popular, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be. A blowback, like you said. Were you and, were you uh, pissed off? Um, you know what? I've missed every partner that I've worked with, and and and, and that goes back to Ned Martin when when mm-hmm. you know he was done. It goes back to um, Bobby Bobby Kurtz when he yeah. when he uh, left to go back to Minnesota to do hockey. It happened with Sean. You know that bothered me because uh, Sean brought the best out of me. I thought. And then it happens with Don and, you know, 15 years is like a marriage, you know, so it's very difficult. But then then you turn around and you work with a guy like Dave, you know, and, and so I've been I've been very fortunate throughout my career. And I, 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 I say this in the book and I talk about all of them that, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to work with people that not only are, are real professionals, but guys that I really like. And, and, and so it, it made it a little bit easier, you know, I mean, it was very difficult to, to have Don go, you know, cause we were, we had been through so much together on the air, but also off the air. Um, you know, we've been through some family crisis, both of us. So it was difficult. It was like a marriage breaking up. Right. But then he come in and Dave comes in and, you know, as I've said many times, those guys are the professionals. They know how to run the ship. And when the first day that we sat down and did a spring training game, I kind of felt that we were on the same page right away, and I felt we were ready to rock and roll and get into the season. And it's worked out fine over the last three years. You know, and I feel badly that I've had to miss time, and he's had to work with so many different people. You know, it's not easy for him. It's a very difficult thing for him to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't help what happens to me. You know, I can't help. I, I don't ask to get cancer. So right, it's, right. Uh, it's just the way it is. But, uh you know, I, I have, I, I've been very lucky because there's a lot of crews that we see around the league that guys just don't get along. 
And that's a very difficult way to do your job on a daily basis in this game because you're with each other all the time. And uh, I've been very fortunate with all the guys that I've worked with that I've got along with them well. They remain friends. And, um, you know, we speak a lot. You know, Dave texts me, calls me all the time and see how I'm feeling. And, um, you know, it's the same with everybody else, with Don, with Sean. You know, it's it's the same. So, um, I, 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 you know, one one thing I've been blessed with is to be able to have great partners, and I certainly had that. Are you the kind of guy where it, when something like this first happens with Ursillo, when it first sort of is in the air, are you the kind of guy who goes into an office to a producer or, or whoever's in charge and say, what the, what the fuck is going on here? Or do you just kind of no, stay, you stay out of it? No, because that's not my place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know, you got to skate your lane, you right. know, and you skate your lane and uh, no, it's not my job. I mean, everybody was questioning what was going on, but uh, the fact is a decision was made. Nobody was going to change anybody's mind. So what is the point? I mean, it's not, it wasn't my, my job to go in and, 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 and say, you know, Hey, uh, you know, this isn't right. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just not. So I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't get involved in the politics of, of, of what may be going on. Uh, I just had, you know, I, I felt badly for Don because I know how much he liked it here. And at the same token, you know, he's got a great gig out in San Diego right now. He's doing very, very well. He's got a great place to live. So time, time goes on. I, I, you know, I hope it heals wounds, you know, uh, uh, only he'd be able to tell you that. And, um, and then you, wor- then you start working with another person and you try to build up that same kind of rapport. Uh, which takes years and years to do. It doesn't take, you know, weeks. It takes years and years to build up that kind of a report. So, you know, for, for Dave and I, I think it's, you know, because I've missed so much time for two years, I think we're still really kind of getting to know each other, in, 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 you know, from a game point of view. And I think it's worked out well. Well, I appreciate you, you know, you reaching out here. Talk, uh, first of all, I appreciate you texting me a few months ago, and uh, and I'm glad that you're feeling well, both physically and mentally. I hope that continues to be the case, and uh, and we'll see you down the line, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon, I hope, Jerry. Okay, very good. All right, thank you very much. Okay. I yeah, appreciate fine. it. Thanks, Jerry. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.